Welcome to Making the Music, a mostly classical music podcast about what and who are behind the music, the stories from around the world of musicians, conductors, composers, concert and festival organizers, educators, and maybe even the backstage life. Get a behind-the-scenes look at how we get the performances. The great and sometimes not so great. The unforgettable. And also, those probably better forgotten. Join us for Making the Music. Welcome to Making the Music, a mostly classical music podcast about what and who are behind the music, the stories from around the world of musicians, conductors, composers, concert and festival organizers, educators, and maybe even the backstage life. Get a behind-the-scenes look at how we get the performances, the great and sometimes not so great, the unforgettable, and also those probably better forgotten. Join us for Making the Music. Hi everyone, and welcome to Making the Music. I'm Pete, your host, and my guest today is Maestro Vladimir Lande, and this is going to be split into two episodes. Maestro Lande has conducted all over the world, led various orchestras on international tours, held the post of music director and conductor of the Washington Soloist Chamber Orchestra in Washington, D.C., frequent guest conductor throughout the world, including with the National Gallery of Art Symphony, Baltimore Symphony, principal guest conductor of the St. Petersburg State Symphony Orchestra, and many others. He's recorded many works for Naxos, and one of his current posts is artistic director and principal conductor of the Siberian State Symphony Orchestra in Krasnoyarsk. Welcome, and thanks for being here today, Vladimir. Thank you, Pete. Thank you very much. Nice introduction. Going back before your conducting duties, you were an oboist. How did you get and why the oboe? I'm still an oboist. I, I still practice and I still play some time. Um, I really don't want to lose my oboe voice. I was a pianist first. My my uh, whole family, um, basically a bunch of musicians. Only my father was physicist and my grandma was an artist. Uh, she was a costume artist and designer for the opera theater. Uh, everybody else are musicians. I'm a musician in the fifth generation, and so I had a little chance of <laughs> swaying other ways. Um, so my mom, being a pianist, she taught me first, and then I went to uh, music school, and so I was a pianist, and then I have heard this absolutely 
a wonderful oboist in uh, Leningrad then. Now it's the St. Petersburg Philharmonic. Mm -hmm. His name was Vladimir Kurlin. He had a really fantastic voice on the oboe. Not really a sound. I would call it a, a voice. Okay. It, was, it was very close to human voice. And I really wanted to have voice like this since my singing voice is not very good. <laughs> <laughs> Mine either anymore. So. so I have decided that that would be my voice. And then I've studied that instrument. And uh, pretty soon I was a soloist oboist with that particular symphony with the St. Petersburg or then Leningrad Philharmonic. So I was pretty lucky at the very early age, basically at the age of 19, I got the best job in the country. Yeah, that's not bad. <laughs> yes, and I have worked with, uh, with the best conductors, really. And uh, it's uh, Maris Janssen's, uh, um, Gergiev, um, um, Timirkanov, Mravinsky, I mean, with most of them. And then I have uh, moved to United States, where I have worked with a bunch of phenomenal conductors, there. So I, I consider myself very, very lucky in that sense. Now, I know sometimes um, when a part uh, calls for the English horn, uh, because there, there aren't, I don't think, many English horn players. There aren't many oboe players, but there's even fewer English horn players. Um, did you ever have to uh, play anything on the English horn as well? Of course. So basically any well, well-to-do oboist or, you know... Can we use well-to-do with oboist? Yes. <laughs> Financially. Yes, <laughs> yes, 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 we can, yeah, 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 with some exceptions. Um, basically, it's a relative instrument, just like uh, we say we have a clarinet and then uh, E-flat clarinet, which is piccolo clarinet or uh, bass clarinet. Um, English horn and oboe d'amora is part of the oboe family, and uh, I really wanted to explore everything, so I have played in an English horn parts as well. And it's a beautiful okay. instrument. Uh, actually, a little bit easier to play than the oboe. Why easier? I know it's got a richer, uh, kind of a, a fuller, deeper sound, but it it has it has a lower range basically. But also, there's a, a bit less pressure on the reed for for the English horn since the reed is wider and takes more air. So, uh, in that sense, it's uh, easier to play instrument. In, yeah. Um, any. Favorite um, parts or specific pieces uh, that you liked playing or still like playing or something that uh, was a real challenge for you uh, to master? Well, um, every piece of music is a challenge if you want to do it really well. <laughs> uh, but uh, Marcello Concerto, uh, Bach Double Concerto for Oboe and Violin, I prefer it actually in C minor rather than D minor. Um, uh, Mozart concertos, um, Richard Strauss' famous oboe concerto, which I love very much, and uh, many, many others. I basically, I think there's a very few uh, badly written music for oboe. Mostly it's really good. <laughs> Not to mention parts in uh, symphony music and in symphonic music, as well as opera music. I have worked with Baltimore Opera for... 18 years, first as a principal oboist and then as a conductor. And uh, I, I really think that this uh, connection to human voice, when oboe is participating in a, in a voice uh, extravaganza, mm -hmm. uh, it's really uh, very rewarding. Okay. Um, are there, I know we can't really use the word bombastic with, with the oboe, uh, um, but are there, are there any 
parts uh, in a symphony. Uh, I mean, you mentioned the opera, but uh, a specific uh, part in a symphony or something where you as an oboist went, oh, yeah, now I get to play. Well, of course. Uh, there's Tchaikovsky, Fourth Symphony, Second Movement, uh, very famous. Uh, there are parts in Richard Strauss, like Don Juan or Don Juan. Um, there are parts in Shostakovich symphonies. Uh, there are many parts in Mahler symphonies. Uh, but, of course, there's Beethoven, um, Brahms, and famous solo in a Brahms violin concerto in the second movement, where actually the tune, the main tune, is given to an oboe. I'm, I'm very grateful to Johannes Brahms <laughs> for that. Uh, and of course, every violinist, solo violinist, is jealous of, of because of, the oboe the, gets the oboe it. They get the main oboe part. Gets the, the most beautiful part. Yes. So uh, I should probably say that every talented composer has given to an oboe. Uh, it's very good, good music. All right. Okay. Um, do you have any horror stories while performing on the oboe? Oh, yes. Uh, actually, first comes to my mind is the Symphony Fantastique by Berlioz. And uh, I, uh-huh. I just got into Philharmonic Orchestra, and I had this part in, in a, behind the stage, in the backstage. Mm-hmm. So there is a movement that called Auf dem Lande in, in German, and it's in the fields. Mm-hmm. And it's supposed to be like a, a motif played by the oboist on stage, and there's a repetition of that, a kind of echoing mm-hmm. and a backstage. Okay. So um, I have done my part before the performance. I have uh, put a, a music stand, the music, and the oboe on the chair, uh, preparing for that movement, right? And uh, it was right behind the curtain, and I ha- it was like a little bit of a cr- like crack open mm-hmm. the curtain to see the conductor. And then I went away. I just had to use the restroom. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then when I came back, uh, everything was gone. Uh, <laughs> nice. Basically, this this old lady who was cleaning lady. <laughs> she, she cleaned. Uh, she cleaned. <laughs> she was, I, I should say, she was very careful with an instrument. So the instrument was, uh, I found an instrument very easily. It was like in a back room on the chair. So she, she moved it very carefully. There's no sign of music. There was no <laughs> nowhere to find the music. Luckily, I have memorized the piece, mm-hmm. and I have uh, found oboe just on time to run back <laughs> and perform this piece. But you can imagine my <laughs> my uh, um, condition of my brain. Yeah, yeah uh, so. uh, just uh, uh, what do I do now? Oh, uh, crap. Um, right, right. So, and then, um, you know, sometimes things happen like uh, in an opera situation where uh, I have played on the oboe my previous solo for the soprano to come in. So mm-hmm. I have played the solo and then soprano doesn't come in. And then play it again, uh, introducing <laughs> a prima donna. Um. Yes, yes, yes. So I had to repeat it again and then she she got the cue finally. <laughs> So, but um, performing is a um, stressful thing, always, uh, in a good way. I, I like that stress. I like that stress. But because it's not um, uh, something that recorded and could be fixed in the studio, there's always something. There's always something with your partners on stage. There's always something with the 
audience, somebody is coughing in the, at the wrong time, you know, or uh, I had this, um, another horror story. I have uh, had this concert with Renee Fleming, uh, a famous mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, American soprano who I love very much. And it was a gala concert, uh, fundraising mm-hmm. for the Baltimore Opera. And then during Casta Diva aria, you know, mm-hmm, very mm-hmm. softly done uh, aria, all of a sudden there's a fire alarm. Huge, loud sound. <laughs> she had tried to compete for a few seconds and then she stopped and she went off stage. And I was thinking, oh my God, what, what is going to happen she, now? She, she's she's, she's going to be she's angry. Gonna, <laughs> she's going to be angry, upset. And, and the audience, of course, was very, very upset. Um at the end, it turned out that some old lady had to go to the bathroom. Uh, Again, the old lady. Yeah, <laughs> the old lady. And she had uh, opened the emergency door. And, of course, fire alarm went off. So, gracefully, Renee Fleming comes back on stage. She comes very close to the edge of stage. And she says to the audience, now you will remember this concert. Well, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> you, you. So I have, I have learned how, you know, the, the greatest performers, they always know what to do in those situations. They do. They, and, and they, uh, I mean, there's, there's this uh, silly old cliche, uh, um, take lemons and, and turn it into lemonade. Uh, exactly. But they really do. They uh, seize their moment and, and they seize the, the, the bad situation. Uh, there was, there was, uh, I don't remember who this was, but a a pianist and she was performing and the stage started dropping. Somebody had, had, uh, pressed the button to, to lower the stage. Uh, and she just kept playing, uh, with it. She had, she had to move a little bit and, uh, actually, uh, some stage hands had to to move the piano a little bit so it would stay on that spot and she just kept playing and then of course then it came back up you know <laughs> you know, two minutes later and she's still playing her piece um well so, yeah so so the best musicians are very well trained how to how to do in an emergency situation yeah you throw anything at them and they'll they'll take care of it uh, right another another situation i was in italy actually performing um on the oboe um it's a chamber music piece oboe piano and it was a Polenk sonata, mm-hmm, a very, mm-hmm. very beautiful one. And I was just about to take a breath to, to start my first high D. And at this at that time, uh, the phone on the front row of the guy very loudly was singing. In my mind, it goes, oh, my God. So it's in Italy. So Telecom Italia finally got something of non-Italian composer. It's Bach. Uh-huh, uh-huh. He has a joy the man's desire. Yeah, right, right, right. So, and this guy try, tries to turn it off and, and it doesn't turn off and everybody angry. And so I took a breath and I've started to play the same piece in the same key. Okay. So this guy actually got very much relieved because it was, uh, it was a bit funny. Sure. And so he now, he was not... The evil person. He was not the villain, right? But he was a part of a joke and and part of the performance, actually, and part of a performance. So, and actually, that was a great way for me to establish connection to the audience. Sure, sure. Um, yeah. Um, the pianist was confused though because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I bet. expected what something. What's he doing? Different. That's not written. Right. Um, right. um, being that you were an oboist, 
I have to ask the question. Have you ever watched Mozart in the Jungle? You know, I have watched bits and pieces of that. Um, first of all, uh, the real life of musician is much funnier than the show. <laughs> Way funnier. Uh, so I was, I was a bit disappointed in how um, little of material that uh, producers could have used uh, they had on the show. But maybe it's because I haven't watched the whole thing. So possibly. Um, I don't have that much time to watch TV or computer. I really have to study. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. I really have to study and, and read about what I what am I going to perform. Sure, sure, sure. Um, I did watch it. Uh, the first season I, I enjoyed immensely. Uh, the second season, as so often happens with shows, tends to go downhill. Um, but anyways, um, now switching to conductor, but still keeping with the oboe. When you're conducting, and you get to the oboe solo, and the oboe starts going, are you thinking, oh, geez, I could play this better. Come on. Or maybe, oh, no, that's nice, but I would have done it this way. Well, as I have mentioned, the oboe is a kind of extension of my voice. And voice is always an extension of uh, of the body and the brain. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, I would do I would do it differently than than who, who who's ever playing than whoever is playing. Yes, but uh, every once in a while, I admire how oboes are playing, and every once in a, in a while, I'm thinking, oh, I have played this solo way. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> I, I know. Uh, um, you know when 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 I've played uh, uh, certain pieces, you know, uh, in the in the percussion, and then I hear how a conductor does it, and I'm like, you know, that's not really how I want to hear it being played, specifically in reference to to the percussion section. Um, but but as a teamwork, and and uh, basically, I always think that conductor and musicians should come to the first rehearsal with uh, already shaped up um, concept of the piece. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then the rehearsal is the time to build the joint concept. So I don't like when musicians come to the first rehearsal with no concept and just waiting for conductor to tell them what to do. That's not the productive way. Um, and uh, sometimes I'm uh, surprised by one or another musician who offers me a concept that I think is better than what I have prepared, okay. what I have thought of. And that's why every performance with a different orchestra is different. Well, it's, sure. It's a good sure. thing. And, you know, and also uh, some capabilities varies from orchestra to orchestra. In one orchestra, there's a fantastic principal clarinetist. In another orchestra, there's a... Not... <laughs> uh, right, right. There's absolutely phenomenal timpanist, you know, or trombone player. Or, that would or be me. <laughs> great, great. So <laughs> and and uh, so you 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 want to use the best of what that particular orchestra can offer. Okay, all right. Um, getting to uh, uh, percussion now. Why do we have a bad rap in in Mozart in the Jungle? Uh, the the timpanist uh, was the was the drug dealer. Um, 
in in all across America, you know, the the high school bands, high school orchestras. Uh, 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 yeah, my percussion section is. Uh, um, why the bad rap? Well, I think there's several things. First of all, percussionists must play many, many instruments. Uh, and that gives them a little bit less of a focus on one particular instrument. Then I think it's psychologically very difficult because you already, as a percussionist, you master, let's say, one or two or three instruments. But then there are so many left to be mastered. And that gives you kind of a psychological um uncertainty because you're you know how it should be played you know the level that you can play at and then you cannot really cover all that humongous territory then i think every person who has a stick and something to <laughs> there it comes <laughs> and, and something to to hit on thinks that he or she is already a percussionist and that's not true i have i have seen uh, percussionists that absolutely amazing and fantastic and most intelligent people and the most knowledgeable people. I personally very uh, much admire um, timpanists who master that beautiful sound on timpanis. Uh, timpani could be really a, a cornerstone uh, in many, many, many symphonic and opera works. Um, and percussion section is probably also... Uh, the section that develops faster than the rest of the orchestra. Look how many new instruments coming to um, you know to new compositions uh, a lot of times. So I I don't think percussions have really bad reputation in, in my mind. I I think percussions have very difficult life. Uh, well, because we get bored <laughs> because we're we're playing a, a, a Mozart symphony and. We've been waiting for five minutes to get that one triangle note. And just before we get to play it, the conductor says, okay, all right, let's stop here and go. Well, yes, but but nobody made you uh, choose that particular no, instrument. No, that's right? true. That's true. So, and, that's, <laughs> and that's also important to understand how much of uh, ambiance and how much of uh, character uh, percussion instruments adding to the music, not to mention the rhythm, basically. It's, it's very much a rhythm section. But I, um, I have seen uh, Leonard Bernstein, for example, talking to a triangle player, you know, teaching a triangle player how to hit the triangle to get the, the sound that he really wanted. Sure, I just sure. recently had this situation with, uh, with bells mm-hmm, here mm-hmm. In, in Krasnoyarsk, um, uh, Academic Symphony Orchestra, um, trying to get the best sound out of the tubular bells. And uh, luckily we did find the mm-hmm, found mm-hmm. that sound. Uh, but percussions uh, should be, percussions should be very creative. And that's, I think, the uh, key to the occupation, to that particular profession. Uh, the creativity, I think, is a natural um, way of developing uh, personality and brains, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I think uh, percussions offer a lot of field for that. So I would encourage everybody who playing percussion instruments to to find that particular spot on snare drum, or on a grand cas on a big drum, mm-hmm. or on the timpanis, or in triangle, or 
or tubular bells or or, or here or there, you know, uh, that gives you that 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 exact sound that is appropriate for for the concept of uh, of, of the piece of the certain uh, piece. Yes. Mm-hmm, yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that brings us to the end of the first part of this episode. Join us on our next episode as we continue our talk with Maestro Lande. 